Hey everyone, Cameron here from QAV. Uh, as I'm sure most of you have heard over the last couple of weeks, uh, the guy who normally edits our show, Dennis, is uh, based in Ukraine and has obviously been dramatically affected by uh, events of the last few weeks. Um, he's back at work, amazingly, uh, already. He's in another city. He's moved from um, Kharkiv, where he was originally uh, when the war broke out. Anyway, uh, and, and offered to get back to work this week and edit our episode, which he hasn't been able to do for a few weeks. Uh, and I asked him to record a little bit about his personal experiences over the last couple of weeks, um, and he agreed to do that. So a little bit different. We'll get into investing in a minute, but uh, I'm sure those of you that have been listening to the show for a while will appreciate hearing uh, a little bit of our editor's story. So here's five minutes from Dennis. Hi, guys. Hi, Cam. Hi, TK. This is Dennis. I'm the editor of the podcast. I'm recording this on the phone, literally, so sorry for any problems with the audio quality. I left my microphone at home. I live in Kharkiv, Ukraine, the city you probably heard a lot about in the news lately. So Cam suggested I record a small talk for the podcast about what we've been going through here. And I couldn't resist. I would love to share some info firsthand, almost. First of all, I want to thank all of you guys. Uh, thank you, Cam, and thank you, TK, for supporting us, for supporting us and raising the funds. We received uh, the money several days ago, and this helped us a lot. I managed to evacuate my mother and my smaller brother from our home in Kharkiv. They're currently in Poland. We managed to evacuate with my partner to Khmelnytsky. This is the safe region in Ukraine. So we're alive. We're fine. I'm happy to get back to work. So a little bit of our personal stories. I live on the northern edge of Kharkiv, the closest point to the Russian border. It's only about 45 kilometers from my home to Belgorod, a Russian city. So the first explosions were really close to me, like one, two kilometers away. And immediately people started running out of their houses, jumping into their cars, driving away, massive jams on the road. And there was a fight. There was a fight. Uh, and I had a clear view from my window. I live on the 10th floor, like literally in about two, three kilometers away from me, there was a huge fight, the first attack on Kharkiv. And we spent, I think, about a week in our house in the city under constant shellings. It was hell. It was hell. It was very hard psychologically. It was very hard physically. We couldn't even eat because of stress. But yeah, we're all right and we're safe. Some of our relatives are still in Kharkiv. Some managed to leave, like my mom and brother. Uh, but it's hard to convince people to leave their homes. And my sister and my father are still in the city. They don't want to leave. They don't want to run away. My grandmother also in the city. And it's uh, almost impossible. Almost impossible to convince people to leave. Some just want to wait out. Some are, some are staying to help. 
and some just don't want to leave their homes for the older people it's the second war in their lives with the first one being the world war ii and for the young ones this is the second time russia destroys their home as there are lots of refugees from donbass region in Kharkiv, and they just have no place to go and they don't want to run they don't want to run away from the war for the second time so lots of people stayed there lots of people evacuated this is in short our personal story as for the situation overall well everyone here we're waiting for this right now the whole world sees that putin is out of his mind we have been living with this madman at our borders our whole life some of us literally their whole life putin is 22 years in power and after 2014 we knew this was going to happen one day or another so our military was like completely ready for this event for the invasion and right now russians failed to capture any major city they suffered great losses their low morale low food low ammunition all they're doing right now is just causing terror causing destruction they can't really do anything else because the moment they get closer to the cities they get completely blown away and immediately pushed back so we hope that this won't uh, go on for too long the city of Kharkiv suffered like huge destruction uh, I think my house was striking uh, by missiles about three times the last time I saw photos of my apartment there were no windows in it it just was blown away and the last time I saw photos of my house on the internet there were just I think three or four holes in the building it's still standing well and uh, right now I don't know if it's in one piece the area that area is constantly shelled from the Russian territory and our army can't really fight back there. They can't fire back because this will be considered as an attack on Russian's territory. So yeah, nothing we can really do there. We just wait, we volunteer, we work on the informational front line, on the financial front line, we're donating to our army, we're helping everyone, like literally the whole country is volunteering, the whole country is doing something to survive through this right now. And we stay united, we stay strong with the support from you guys, with the support from your governments, from your countries. We will definitely win this, this horrible, unjustified war. And I want to once again thank you all for the support, for the direct financial support for me, and thank you all for supporting Ukraine. Welcome to the show, Tony, episode 510, recorded this day, 15th of March, 2022. Currently 2.14 p.m. Brisbane time, 3.14 p.m. Sydney time. 
and you are back in Sydney time. How does it feel to be back in the Sky Palace after several months away, TK? Yeah, it feels strange. <laughs> it really does being in a busy urban environment again that is really paying no attention to mask wearing, social distancing, COVID at all, even though there's still 13, 14, 15,000 new cases a day. Yeah, so I'll, I'll get used to that, but, yeah, different, very different. <laughs> and it's been raining for weeks down here. It's fine today, but it rained yesterday. It's due to rain every day next week. So uh, golf looks hard. Is the flooding abating down there? Yeah, I mean, the rain's only light now, but it's just persistent. Well, I'm glad that you're back because we have good internet again and you got my Christmas present. <laughs> have you tasted my Christmas present yet? I, I haven't yet, sorry. Oh, come on, man. I've been waiting months for you to taste it. <laughs> it's truffle hot sauce, if anyone's wondering. Yeah, truff, T-R-U-F-F. If you like your truffle and if you like your hot sauce, I want to see what you think, but we, like, Ever since we discovered it a few months ago, we like every day, not a day goes past, we don't have it on something. Like it's it's one of the highlights of our day is putting trough on something. Well, I haven't cooked since I've been back. That's one of the highlights of being back. We get we can get uh, deliveries again. Yeah. 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 Enjoy it. <laughs> I've cooked every day for three months, so it was good to have a break. Well, uh, this episode of QAV is brought to you by the graphic design team inside the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet's Women's Network. <laughs> I want to thank them for the a huge amount of joy they've given me today. Somebody ha- is is laughing their ass off somewhere inside there. Congratulations to whoever pulled that one off, <laughs> so, so to speak. Yeah, look it up, people. It's it's uh, pretty ordinary. It's all over the news today. You can't escape it. Uh, before we get into other news, let's talk about Yal Yankol. Now, this gets back to what we were talking about with grossing up dividends last week. For people that own YAL, you note that it's uh, had a massive drop-off today. I think it's down about 17 18% since last week. But when you go in and look at it, it's went ex-div today and ex-special cash distribution. I still don't really understand how that's different from a dividend, but uh, I guess there's some technical reason why it's not actually a dividend. Yeah, generally it's an ad hoc reason. So it's it's a I, I'm not familiar with Yan Cole, but there'll be a return of cash for something like they've sold an asset, for example. So it's not going to be ongoing. If they're paying it out of profits, it can be a dividend. But the expectation is, at least from the from the owners, the um, shareholders, is that that would be an ongoing thing, and they can get a franking credit for it. The return of cash, in most cases, won't have a franking credit. Well, both of these were zero franked for some reason. Well, that means that they haven't paid any tax, so they can't pass on the franking credit for whatever reason. Either the company is loss making or potentially the revenue is all from overseas or the profit's all from overseas. So they haven't paid the Australian tax to get a credit. Probably wouldn't have been on our buy list last week if they hadn't been making money, right? It's possible, but unlikely. Anyway, if you factor in, I think the dividend's 50 cents a share, the special cash is 20.4 cents a share. You factor in that 70 cents back into the share price and it actually hasn't dropped. I think it's down about 3% from where it was last week. So it looks bad on the graph. But again, if you own it and you're looking at that, well, by the time you hear this, you probably will have already done something if you're going to do it. But you know, it's something I have to keep. I, I saw it drop today and went, holy shit, and panicked and then remembered to check the dividend and uh, was like, okay, it's cool. Especially at this time of year. 
after the results season. People should be aware. If you see things drop, check the dividends. If you see something, say something, <laughs> but don't sell something until you check the dividend. Yeah. Copper price today, Tony. Have you had a look at where it's at? Yesterday when we were doing the checklist, we looked at it. You said it's touching the sell line, but it's not quite a sell yet. I'm just wondering if you've had a look since then. No, not at all. I <laughs> just ignored it and gone on with life. Have you looked at it? No, but I am pulling it up now. Uh, copper's crossed. It's now a sell. Oh, really? Okay. It's crossed downwards, yeah. I saw a comment you made. I think you made it. Someone made it on Facebook on the group saying that if copper was a, the majority of the revenues, we'd take it out. But I've been taking it out if, the, if the copper is a substantial part of the revenues and usually around sort of 30%. Oh, oh, that's new. No, we do that for BHP. We took out BHP when the copper price dropped last time. Oh, yeah, because it was a big enough component. Yeah, and originally I think the, the key one for us that started all that discussion was I'm thinking Aries Resources, AIS. I could have that wrong, but there was a, a copper gold producer and uh, we left it in when the copper price went down or, yeah, I think it was the copper or the copper was up and the gold was down one or the other. And uh, people ask the question, like, when is it a material enough percentage of profit and sales before we take it out? And we kind of settle on a third, but that was just a bit of a wet finger test, really. There's the title for the episode today, the wet finger test. Okay, so we'll have to go through the QAV portfolio and our individual portfolios. Everyone go through your portfolios and uh, check for copper stocks. Yeah, and if you're doing that, check the copper price first because it's it has been bouncing and zigzagging across the sell line in the last month or so. So, if, you know, if you're checking this a few days in the future, in our future, not your future, but our future, it uh, may be back into a buy position again. And if you're checking it a few days into your own future, tell us how you did that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, put a big bet on because you'll know the result. <laughs> yeah. So some of the stocks that we normally have in our buy list that this will affect are Aeris Resources, AIS, C6C, Copper Mountain, Sandfire Resources, SFR, BHP. Any else come to mind? No, they're the, they're the main ones I, I would have said. All righty. Construction giants on the brink, Tony. We talked about major construction company failure the other day. Now, another one I see in the Courier Mail this morning, Condev, Queensland construction firm, hangs in the balance with a billion dollars and 125 jobs on the line. Wow. Do you know the reason? I do not know the reason, no. It's a canary in the coal mine, though, when the property developers start and builders start going under. Yeah. We had a QAV club member in the last week or so, I can't remember who it was, an estimator, I think, said, nah, construction's doing great. No need to worry about it. Everyone's busy. Everyone's, uh, you know, got more work that they can bite off, chew, something. But, yeah, apparently not Condev. They've got a problem. So that's two big ones, yeah. It is. And there was an interesting write-up by Stephen Main talking about the fact that, particularly with the large construction companies operating on government contracts, they're asked to tender for fixed-price contracts on very, very small margins. And he was kind of saying that it was inevitable that one day a big one would go under. I mean, they, they do. I know they do often lay off the risk and take out insurance policies, but it is large sums of money on thin margins 
And if something goes south, they can lose all their money. I'm just pulling up this Courier-Mail article. It says, up to a billion dollars worth of construction projects in Queensland are hanging in the balance as construction giant Condev calls on developers to throw out a financial lifeline. There are growing fears that Condev, which is hundreds of millions of dollars worth of projects underway across southeast Queensland, could be the latest major building company to fail, adding to the growing woes in the sector. Condev presented developers with a proposal on Monday afternoon that will reportedly involve helping the company offset a perfect storm of labour shortages, floods and supply chain issues that has seen construction costs surge 25% over the past 18 months. That's a problem if they're on fixed price contracts with their developers. So that's the issue, right? Yeah. And you would think that all of those three things would affect all builders trying to work in Southeast Queensland. So we'll see what, it, what happens. And the flow-on effect will be if the, if the developers do try and resurrect these projects, they all go up by 25%, right? So then they start to get a squeeze. If they've pre-sold, say, apartments, for example, at one price and they're, they're either facing the project not going ahead or paying a higher price to a new builder or even the current builder to keep them going, they can't recover that money in the market. So this, the problem becomes theirs and the developers start going bankrupt too. So it has a flow-on effect. Yeah. Difficult times. And, you know, your estimator mate might be true, might be right in, in that uh, if, if this is only a short-term thing because of COVID and because of supply chain issues and that it will write itself in the next six months and it won't be an ongoing problem. But that's the big question in the market, right? Is, is inflation here or is it transitory? So it's going to be a bumpy ride either way for industries which operate on razor-thin margins and have exposure. But uh, if enough of those go broke and there's flow-on effects with people losing deposits on apartments, with subbies um, going bankrupt, with building workers going bankrupt, it's, it may not be a transitory problem. It is different every time. It's, it's always different, Tony. It's never the same. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Alan. Let's talk about the QAV portfolio, Tony. According to Nevexa, with their uh, funky way of calculating it, soon, uh, according to secret emails that we have been privy to, thanks to Stephen Mab, they will be introducing a CAGA calculation. So thank you to all the QAV members who barraged them with emails <laughs> saying, we want CAGA, we want CAGA. <laughs> Poor Navarre. And they have a cash account now too, which is a, another big addition for them, which is great. Yeah, explain to people how to use that. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it works automatically or not, but it's where, like, if you get a dividend or you sell something and don't buy something, that would just disappear into the thin air for, as far as um, Nevexa was concerned, except that they did still, I think, use it in terms of your performance calculations. But, um, yeah, they should. I don't know if you have to, I don't know how it works. Do you have to manually go in and add those to the cash account now, or does it happen automatically? Yeah, to be seen. When I set them up last week, it retrospectively went back through my dividends that we had earned since a certain period of time that I could tell it. And it added up the dividends and added them to it. Whether or not it does it automatically moving forwards, I don't know. But you can get instructions from the Nevexa guys if you're using it. But I think you just go in, go into your portfolio, click on add investments, select a cash account. And it just appears there uh, in, in your list of investments. Yeah. So we, uh, we, what we don't know is whether it happens automatically or whether we need to do it manually. Yeah. Looking at the portfolio anyway, for this financial year, it says QAV is up 10.63% at the moment. 
versus the SPDR 200 up 2.21%. So we're about five times doing better than the 200. Since inception, I looked at it earlier, I think we're up about 23% since inception, which is September, beginning of September 2019 versus about 7% for the 200. So we're about three times. 10, I think. 10 since inception? Uh, I'll look it up today. I've got 23% for the QAV portfolio and 10% for the, uh, whatever it's called, STW 200. Really? Okay. I'll take your word on it. No, I'm not. I'm going to look at it. I know you would. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I doubt you, Tony, because you're always right. I'm always wrong in these things. Ah, 7.75. So you're right. Good thing you checked my homework. (laughs) Yeah, see, I'm... One of us hasn't been in holiday mode for the last couple of months. <laughs> 23.49% for QAV versus 7.75. So, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, and the other one I looked up too was the last 30 days, which was pretty much flat for QAV, minus 0.28% versus minus 1.5 for uh, the SCW 200. What's not been going well for us in the last 30 days? Well, I think it has been going well. It's we're we're flat and the market's down, one point five percent. I mean, there's been a a whole lot of things going on, particularly today. Actually, that's going to hurt us, or if it hasn't already. But um, yeah, if I can talk about it for a minute, uh, probably the biggest issue is COVID outbreaks in China. They're starting to lock down some of their big cities now, so analysts are already scrambling to mark down the Chinese growth and forecast for iron ore imports and other resource imports from Australia. And you can see that reflected in today's share price movements, which is the 15th of March. A lot of stocks are down 4 or 5% at least because of that. And uh, we have resource stocks in our portfolio. So that's that's hitting us. A couple of other things which um, I'll just discuss now, I suppose. I can bring it up now. I was planning to do it a bit later. But anyway, obviously, everyone's seeing in the bows and now what's happening with the oil price. Like I paid two twenty five a litre for diesel when I was driving back from Wagga last week, which is quite high. And I'm starting to hear rumblings of, of um, you know, action f- by unionists to raise uh, wages. So I expect that if nothing's done about, about inflation, if nothing's done about rising petrol prices, interest rates going up, we'll start to see some militant action, industrial action, as unions try and recoup in wages, the sort of money that's going out the back door when they have to pay for petrol and mortgages and all the rest of it. So uh, it's, it's kind of going to be an interesting backdrop to the federal election when it happens, because I expect that will be the time when things will be at their most uh, agitated, I guess. And again, I've seen this before. And I remember when I was at Coles Meyer that, you know, Coles Meyer was the biggest employer, private employer of people in Australia. It was something like 100,000 or nearly, nearly 100,000 people working at various stores. And chatting with the, with the IR manager who used to go into the Industrial Relations Commission almost every day and and argue with one union or the other over wage increases. He said that it took him a while to realise it, but the mentality of the unions and particularly their members, especially the blue-collar ones, and they were all blue-collar for Coles Meyer, they think in terms of a slab of VB or a carton of cigarettes, right? So if you gave them, I don't know what a slab of VB is worth these days, 60 bucks a week, if you gave them a $40 offer, that would never win. If you gave them a $70 offer, that was too much. But $60 a week, Straight away, their members knew, okay, that's a slab of VB. I accept that. That's good. And I think it'll be the same in this you know, next round of, of militancy. Petrol prices are up. Mortgage repayments are up. 
but eventually it'll flow through to things which hurt them a lot too, like food and, and liquor. So I expect that we'll see industrial action because of that. So, cause like the housewife, I mean, the mentality is probably different these days, but in, you know, 20 years ago when I was working Colesmore and talking to these guys, the mentality was the housewife can complain that the groceries are going up, but as soon as beer goes up, they go out on strike, right? So they, I don't think that's going to be far behind. Can they go out and strike these days? Can they be militant days and everyone locked down with enterprise bargaining agreements? I mean, I don't have a lot of experience because, believe it or not, in the podcast industry, unions, you know, I'm a member of a union, but I'm also my own employer, so I'm always negotiating with myself. And, you know, I remember Father, Father McElhenney told me if I negotiate with myself too much, I'll go blind. But, you know, I'm not exactly sure how militant most unions can be these days. My mum. Jan was the head of her, uh, she was like the union delegate when she worked at Big W for 25 years. The feeling that I got was their hands were tied. There wasn't a great deal they could do. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on, but I think you'll find that the militant unions, particularly in the construction industry, will lead the charge and then others will follow. Depends how bad things get, but if things do get bad, the membership aren't going to care what the law is. They're just going to pull up stumps until they get paid more, right? So we've seen that before with the dock workers' strikes in the past and things like that's going back to the good, good or bad old days of the BLF. They didn't care what the law was. They just went out and strike. So uh, that's going to be how it starts and it'll probably spread. But it, it may not get to that stage. Uh, it may be temporary. But uh, it's, it's starting to bite either way. It'll be an issue. The other thing putting pressure on the share market at the moment, getting back to the share market, is uh, I've read today that the funds that Magellan in Australia have operated have had huge outflows this last month. So around about now, all the fund managers report their performance and and uh, other pertinent information. And and there's a lot of money coming out of the Magellan funds. It was something I think the figure was something like seven or eight billion dollars came out in the last month. So people withdrew it from their from their funds, which meant that they had to sell. Pretty sure that the Magellan funds will be open ended. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think they would be. Which means they're selling for redemptions. Which means that's downward pressure on the share market. The only mitigating factor is that I think the biggest majority of the Magellan investments are overseas in international shares. So not all of that $8 billion is going to affect us, but and not everyone who takes the money out of Magellan doesn't put it back into somewhere else in the Australian share market. But it, that much money being sloshed around and causing sales in the market could be having a downward impact on us over the last few weeks as well. And the other interesting article I read today was that uh, it was in the fin that there's a record number of IPOs being pulled. So that's always a bad sign for the share market when uh, investment banks just say, no, no, we're just sitting there money for a while. You won't tap the market for any fundraisings. We'll just wait for things to clear up. So there's no confidence in the market at the moment. And everyone's waiting to see. I think the Fed, I think it was last night, they may have raised rates or they're doing it tonight. So people are watching that pretty seriously to see which way bond yields goes as well. So there's a lot going on in the market at the moment, which is um, the market likes certainty and it's a very uncertain time. So all those things I think are having an effect on us. Not to mention the war. Not to mention the war. Well, it's, it's pretty rare that the war gets taken off the front page, but it was because of petrol prices today. So New Zealand led the charge. They've dropped their excise tax, tax on fuel and their road user charges. So people are going to save 50 cents a litre in New Zealand. And that raised the question of whether they should do it here. And people may or may not know that about, well, it's not now, Probably only about twenty percent of the fuel price now is taxed, but it, it, when it was back to dollar a liter, it was almost half tax. So it's something like forty-four cents a liter is tax. And the, and the question is, 
at $2.25 a litre, if you take 40 cents off, it's not making a big difference. So the question is whether they do that or, or whether they do something else to mitigate that extra cost on people like uh, some kind of tax rebate during the, during the budget or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it, it'll become a political issue. It's, uh, it's certainly starting to bite when the politicians start to float the ideas of removing taxes or lowering taxes. So uh, watch this space, I guess. Listen, don't mention the war. I mentioned it once, but I think I got away with it all right. So, it's all forgotten now, and let's hear no more about it. So that's two egg mayonnaise, a prawn gerbils, a Herman Goring, and four coated salads. Yeah, one of the classic scenes. Right, who's this then? Who's this then? (laughs) (laughs) Visual joke for people listening at home. Our stocks of the week, Reg and BPT. I sent an email out, our club email went out today. Regis are an aged care and services provider across Australia with a 9,000 strong workforce, uh, sort of a small cap stock, quality score of 57%, QAV score of 0.13 on Monday. Board owns a large percentage of the stock, which is interesting. The other one, BPT, everyone knows, of course, Beach Energy. There was the large cap stock of the week to have a look at. If you're, if you're looking for something this week, you want to check out a couple, do your own analysis on them, do your own research. But BPT, obviously, all prices are going gangbusters at the moment. It's got a quality score based on the share price of $1.60, quality score of 92% and a QAV score of 0.27. So that's the stocks of the week. And a few other moves on the, the buy list this week, which were interesting. So GMA has become a star stock which uh, in Stock Doctor, so that's improved its score. And GMA has been going really well for people since uh, they retained that Commonwealth Bank contract and Ari's uh, private equity firm from the US bought a stake in them as well. Maya, you'll love this. Maya had good results and the share price has risen again. So it's getting pretty close to a buy, but last I look, hadn't quite made it yet. But that's something people might want to watch out for. On the flip side, Samfire was a sell, even though that uh, the copper was a buy at the time. Samfire has been going backwards, so that was a sell. And one I wanted to talk about in the pulled pork this week was um, ASG Auto Sports Group, which joins the buy list. So I can do that now if you like. Well, that's all the time that we have for the free episode this week. If you're brand new to the show, let me explain sort of some of the details about how it works. So we have a free episode every week, goes for about half an hour. That's what you've just listened to. There's also a premium episode that goes usually for another half an hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we have from our listeners that week. And uh, to get that, you need to be a member of QAV Club. Now, QAV Club is where you not only hear the premium episodes, but you get access to the checklist and the Bible and uh, dinners that we do and Zoom calls and you get to ask Tony questions. And it's really where it's for people that are really serious about learning how to invest the way Tony does. We get access to all of the educational stuff and access to more of our time, my time in particular, to help coach people through learning how to do that, etc. If you're interested in checking that out, go up to our website, go to qavclub, sorry, qavpodcast.com.au and sign up for the two-week free trial where you get access to everything that's in the club for a couple of weeks. Also, the 
private Facebook group where um, we have a, you know a few hundred club members who uh, analyze stocks and talk about what's going on, ask questions, answer each other's questions, that kind of stuff. It's a really great community. If you're not ready to do QAV Club, but you still want to invest in the QAV style, you might be interested in our new service QAV Lite, which is where we provide a couple of stock tips each week that you can buy and that they've scored highly in the QAV rankings that week. And then we monitor those. And when we think they're a sell, we will tell you that we're selling them because we're running a portfolio based on these QAV Lite stocks as well. If you're interested in checking that out, uh, go to qavpodcast.com.au slash light, L-I-G-H-T. And um, it's, it's, you know, more of a, it's, it's a service for people that don't have the time or the energy to learn how to do it for themselves, which is what QAV Club is about, but uh, still want to be somewhat in charge of their own investing, I guess using the QAV system, buying uh, value stocks that we believe we can buy at a discount. That's all. Uh, Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for listening to Dennis's story. I hope you found that of value. And uh, we'll be back next week. Take care. Good luck with your investing. The QAV podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129217. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions. Thank you.